Hello there. Oh, hello. This is Robbie. And Amanda, the hosts of Passages. With Robbie and Amanda. And we're here to invite you to take a journey with us. A very sexy journey. Into the steamy, sumptuous waters of romantic literature. But not just any book will do. Oh, no, no. Here on Passages, we dive deep into only the most unhinged and unrestrained and downright debaucherous Sexy debaucherous Stories in the biz Review, discussion, and dissection Dissection So come with us In the lands between comedy and sensuality, there lie Passages Welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. It's Katie and Izzy, and we're back with, uh, it, are we announcing this as like our official official? Well, this will be episode two for the Coven series. So. Right. But this is like the official first exclusive yes. Patreon episode. Exactly. Nailed it. Welcome, patrons. <laughs> Boom. Right there. Um, so yeah, second season of American Horror Story, second episode, <laughs> almost forgot what I was saying there. This is Coven with, um, boy parts, which was, I didn't remember what that, uh, what the episodes were called. So like going through and like looking at the episode names, uh, and rewatching them, it, it, it pieces together, but I think this is just the funniest title. I like Sorry. One of the cool things about watching stuff on streaming services is you actually get to see what they titled the episodes. Because, like, when you're just watching stuff on TV, you don't usually see the title of the episodes. So, it's pretty neat. Oh, uh, yeah. White parts. It, anyways. <laughs> um, you have such pretty nails. Oh, thanks. It's the only Christmassy bit about me this uh, this year. Where is the fucking camera? Oh, I'm way off. <laughs> I think uh, from a it's, distance, it's sparkly. They look um, like darker towards your cuticle, which makes me think of like poison ivy. You know, that's still a costume I really, really, really want to build. I want to build a punk poison ivy costume. I mean, shit, go figure. Look at my microphone. I have a plant, frogs, and mushroom. I have a poison ivy costume I created once. Yeah. When it's warmer, I'll wear the corset with a movie that makes sense. <laughs> Deal. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. Hit my microphone. Okay. So, so, episode two, Boy Parts, first premiered October 16th, 2013. Uh, that seems so... That's 10 years. That's I, I think we discovered it was 10 years last year, last episode, but my, like, that still blows my mind. Every time we mention it, I'm going to be like, fuck, 10 years ago. <laughs> I know. I definitely did not watch it ten years ago. Oh, I totally did. I was I was glued to this show the minute it fucking started. I think I've watched it in twenty sixteen, twenty fifteen. That's fair. Uh but this specific episode was written by Tim Minear. He worked on Angel, Dollhouse, and Firefly. Yes, he worked with Joss Whedon a lot, apparently. 
Uh, I mean, those shows are quite wonderful. I really like actually. Them. I haven't watched. I haven't watched Doll Dollhouse or Firefly, but Angel just stands on its own. I really like Dollhouse, um, partially because it has Eliza Dushku in it. I love her, but it's just a super unique uh, idea. The ending is really sad. <laughs> oh, is it okay? Um, it's not like it's. I'm not gonna get try not to give anything away, but it's it's just like an upsetting ending. But, um, yeah. Go watch it. Uh, directed by Michael Reimer. He has worked on Jessica Jones, Hannibal, other stuff. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So let's get into this episode. Uh, <clears throat> should we recap it starts off what happened last episode or should we just dive right in? What do you think? What are you singing? <laughs> the song died. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Um, um, do you want to do a recap of it really fast or I'll try and do, do it in like as few senses as possible okay uh, so we meet Zoe who finds out she's a witch gets sent to a boarding school where she meets a couple other witches who are all descendants of the witches of Salem they go to a frat party all the frat boys die except for one basically because Zoe kills one uh, she has a crush on one of them who happens to maybe be the one good guy out of the whole group. Uh, the director of the school does not enjoy being a witch. Her mother is a bitch and she's rich, which makes her the worst kind of witch. And, uh, there's a woman named Misty Day who gets killed for witchcraft, but then brings herself back to life because she can do necromancy. We talked about about Madame LaRue, no, Madame La LaRue, who was thought to have died in the 1800s. Turns out she was buried alive by a potion of... No, that was Madame Delphine. Her last name is LaRue, La LaRue. Oh, is it? Yeah, and then oh, Marie LaRue right. is the one who yeah, potioned that's, her. That, that's right. it. That's, that's where we're cutting it off. <laughs> that's our... Okay quick didn't write it down <laughs> off the cut we did our best really, really fast we Review. did our best so <clears throat> next time i'm gonna plan an interpretive dance beautiful i hope so she I would tortured she died <laughs> buried alive why is she you're shimming because <laughs> she was stuck buried alive <laughs> and then she crawled Cr crawled Ugh. you look like you're being birthed <laughs> it was a rebirthing of some kind so yeah this episode starts deep uh deep within the Lu louisiana bayou there's two cajun poachers uh that are returning with their catch which is a dead alligator of course um i guess i guess that's not uncommon out there but like they said it was illegal um, in the movie oh, okay. or the show okay because as soon as they walk up they're like there's like eight thousand dollars worth of contraband in here oh lovely well so there's that uh they come upon misty day who is wandering around their camp horrified by all the hung alligators that they have 
Chia ends up resurrecting all their catches, and the alligators kill both of the poachers, and she can somehow sense that there are other witches and heads and, and kind of just goes their way, takes off. I like um, that she's, her her power, like, fits so well with the fact that she's, like, a hippie, kind of. They like, make her, like, a bohemian hippie kind of thing. Well, that leads into uh, who she... This this is a person I call my my spirit human, let's be honest. Um she is she gets her whole lifestyle and her and 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 the way that she looks and and acts. Uh she wants to be just like Stevie Nicks. She looks up to Stevie Nicks. She uh she idolizes her and let's be honest, so do I. I love Stevie Nicks so much. I got a custom shawl for my wedding, which is so beautiful. Um it's true. and I I'm consistently told that I give off Stevie Nicks vibes with a lot of my, like, the way that, like, I actually dress up when I do look decent and not just lazy in a sweatshirt. Um, I'll dress up like Poison Ivy and you dress up like Stevie Nicks, okay? In a heartbeat. I have all the outfits that I need for that. Okay, next week. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm also <laughs> I'm also a, a consistent crocheter now, and I've been crocheting shawls for uh, Christmas and stuff. And so um, I dig it. Yeah, thanks. So Stevie Nicks, she idolizes her, listens to her a lot. The song that she's listening to during this, or that you hear in the background, she might be listening to it. She probably hears voices, let's be honest. Um, but during the background of this whole alligator scene is by Stevie Nicks, which is why we brought it up. Um, it's called The Edge of Seventeen. If you heard it, you would probably recognize it. It's pretty common. No. Yeah. Um, so Stevie Nicks music is a common theme in this season um, because not only in the TV show is she considered a witch, but that's like a common thread of thought in real life as well. Uh, and I think we'll talk about it more later because I think the show addresses it more later, if I remember correctly. It, yes, it does. Cool. So we'll bring it up more in detail then. But this song specifically was inspired by the deaths of John Lennon and the death of her uncle John, who died of cancer on the same week in December of 1980. It's a bummer. It was released in 81 on her album titled Belladonna, which is mm-hmm. neat because we've talked about Belladonna. It is a witchy plant, poisonous witchy plant. Uh is she said in an article that it became a song about violent death, which was very scary because at that point, no one in her family had died. Um, and of course, it talks about like there's one of the lines is something about a white dove. Um, and she that's like the spirit leaving the body kind of a thing, which is all stuff that's encompassed in her power. I'm sorry, in um, Misty Day's power of like necromancy. Yeah which I think is part of the reason why she, like, resonates with it so much. Well, she has the power of re- resurrection, but yes, that is, it is necromancy, but... Um, yeah, thank you, that's what they it, call it in the film. Yeah, thank you. Um, but, yeah, so it was, like, it's a really cool song choice that fits the power and the person very well. Plus, it's yeah. just a great song, so... Yeah, oh. I got to see Stevie Nicks live just, I think it was last year. Is it the last year or two years ago? I don't know. But I got to see her live and I didn't have to pay for tickets, which was wonderful. But uh, it was magical. I cried so much, so hard. It was just pure bliss. She, I think, sounds the exact same. Like age. Oh, oh, 
done anything to her voice. Still, she's still absolutely marvelous live. Um, yeah, and then of course Misty Day talks about her more later, uh, and says that she idolizes her and is playing another song with Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac and all that jazz. So yeah. Anyways, moving on. So, uh, the at the boarding school. Fiona is holding Delphine Lalari captive because she unburies her. Or she unburies her? Yeah. <laughs> Digs her it's up. It's been a long day. Unburies. Yeah. Um, do people say that? I think they just say. What is it called? I know. It just es- sounds, excavated? It sounds so wrong. Yeah. What's it called? Something like that. Pull up a body to like be re-examined. <laughs> exhumed. There we go. Thank but, you. But can she be exhumed if she's alive? I don't know. Right couldn't tell you so fiona's trying to find out how she's still alive and young but madame delphine is is confused overwhelmed and absolutely terrified by the modern technology which is completely understandable and kind of funny yeah um, for sure and it makes her it makes her so much less helpful she's not able to fucking she's ah some I'm... of the stuff that she like reacts to i think is hilarious like when the phone rings and she's like shut up it's just a phone <laughs> I know. Um, what's weird to me is that she, like this potion apparently, made it so she didn't need to eat or drink for sustenance, of course. But I guess she also like maybe didn't have to have bowel movements because she didn't have anything in her body. But it's not like she wasted away or anything and just like lived in some wasted state. Like she looks the exact same. Yeah. It's a weird but really neat potion. <laughs> Um, during the morning gathering that they have, Queenie, the the human voodoo doll, she uh, we get a little backstory from her, and she recalls her life in Detroit, working at a chicken restaurant, where she ended up using her powers to boon to to boon <laughs> to burn a, uh, an unruly customer's arm who's pitching seen... at her trying to get free chicken. Sorry, have you seen um Brooklyn Nine Nine? I fucking love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know all the parts where uh, Captain Holt is like, Bone! Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what I just said. Bone! That's fair. <laughs> I love that show. Uh, that incident actually uh, eventually led Cordelia to finding her. And Queenie tells the other girls that she is the heir to be the, uh, to the slave witch Tichuba, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard her name before. Um, but she was the first to be accused of witchcraft during the Salem Witch Trials. And mm-hmm. so our first segue, side tap, whatever I'm trying to say, um, is Tichuba and the Salem Witch Trials. Which we're not going to talk about like the witch trials specifically. We're going to focus on Tichuba's experience. So yeah. Tichuba was an indigenous woman enslaved in Salem, Massachusetts in the 1600s. Um, it's a common misconception that she was black she was actually like indigenous woman um it's because of like stories her the way her story was told later in history that she became seen as or portrayed as like a black slave uh, but she was actually not just putting that out there in it makes no difference that it was a horrible situation for her 
1692, she was a slave to the family of Reverend Samuel Paris. No one knows anything about her origins. Some people think she came over on whatever boat he floated in on um, as his slave when he was single. Um, other people think that she was um, just like captured. I have no idea. No one has. No one knows. Um, and you know, records from back then weren't quite like they are now. Uh, it was in this home that the Reverend's daughter, Betty, and his niece, Abigail, would become mysteriously ill. And because microbial science wasn't really at its peak during this time, um, they called a doctor who said, obviously, they have caught the witchcraft. And so it being the 1600s and all, everyone was like, yep, sounds about right. They done gots the witchcraft pox. I'm just kidding. I thought they called it it pox. But um, they done gots the witchcraft. So a church member, because everyone was in the church apparently. um, It was probably the safest place to be was in the church at the time anyways. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. A church member told Tichiba to make a witch cake to reveal the identity of the person who was tormenting the girls. So what's a witch cake, you might be asking? Don't worry, they detailed it. So uh, the witch cake that Tichiba made was mixed with the girl's urine um, into rye meal to make a small cake, and then it was fed to the family dog. And for some reason that was supposed to block or cure or expel the witchcraft i don't i'm not couldn't follow the track on that one uh, but when she was finished the girls repaid her by saying yeah it was her who was witchcrafting us um so to keep in mind uh tichiba had been living with these girls she Worked in the house with the girls. She did meals with the girls. She raised the girls. She slept in the... I think she, like, slept in the same room as the girls or put them to bed or some shit. I don't know. But she was a big part of their life. And they were just so quickly like, yeah, it was her. And... I don't know what this is. There it goes. Okay. Something popped up on my screen and I was afraid it was going to shut down. Sorry. Um, Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, poor dog had to eat that urine cake. cake. Yeah. But also, if I was Tichiba, I'd be like, why do you know so much about witchcraft? You must be a witch. It's you. You know what I'm saying? But she's not a shady bitch, so she didn't. She went with it. Because she was trying to help them, because she thought she was being a good person. But anyway, she was interviewed by the reverend himself, and of course denied being a witch, because she weren't one. Um, And according to the New York Historical Society article about Tichiba's life story, uh, Betty and Abigail were too young to be witnesses in a legal case, meaning that Tichiba could not be officially accused. So she was never officially arrested. But the reverend, um, even though he probably thought they were lying, based off, I guess, what they read of his notes at the time, he still beat the shit out of her until she confessed to being a witch. Mm -hmm. Uh, and less than a month later, in February of 1692, Ann Putnam, which is the one name most people probably remember, um, and her indentured servant, Betty Hubbard, said Tichiba was using magic to hurt them with the help of two other women named Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. 
So Betty Hubbard was old enough to be a witness in the courts, and so the three women were arrested based off her accounts. And uh, they were jailed and all sorts of manner of awfulness. Um, So these three were questioned in the Salem Magistrate building, I guess they called it at the time. Um, But how they did it was it was in front of anyone in the town who wanted to show up. Um, So it was just like fucking chaos. (laughs) Um, The audience was allowed to just like shout out accusations and shit all the time. So it was kind of like going through a comment thread on social media is what I assume. Um, Where they're like, hey, this is about witchcraft. And people are like, listen, have you seen the way she's dressed? Like, what is happening? (laughs) Um, But in real life, they were probably saying shit like I saw her look at a cat and then the cat walked away. So clearly she can talk to cats. She's a witch. Or I saw her have a boil one time and she's a witch. You know, just like dumb stuff they were saying. She weighs the same as a duck. Yeah. She's a witch. She weighs the same as a duck, so she floats. She's a witch. Mm -hmm. But it's not even my nose. (laughs) Turn Uh, me into a newt. I got better. (laughs) I could could quote Monty Python all fucking day, bro. Great movie. You know what? I meant to put a gif of that in the slideshow, but I (laughs) wanted to finish my notes first, and then I went back and was like, what was I going to put a gif in for? If you don't get the reference, go watch Monty Python of the Holy Grail. If you're in Europe, it's on Netflix. I don't know if it is in the States. Oh, I mean, like, I own it, so it doesn't matter, but... Yeah, I just assume everyone in the States owns it. It's great. It's so funny. Uh, So, meanwhile, while she's getting accused, or while these three women are getting accused, uh, the four girls are, like, throwing themselves on the ground and being like, oh... They're attacking me, the witchcraft of it all. Um, Lovely. Yeah. So Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne refused to confess to practicing witchcraft. Although Sarah Good did say she thought maybe Sarah Osborne might be a witch. But to keep in mind, witches were promised leniency. I'm sorry, not witches. Women were, the people who were accused, sorry, were promised leniency. Um if they could like name others who did witchcraft so that's why she was like i certainly am not but she sure is like snitches get stitches bro nope not them they were like snitches get to go home so (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's one way to go um also keep in mind before I say this next part that Tichuba had already been through being accused and was savagely beaten and basically tortured by her owner um, until she was like, yes, I'm a witch, I guess. So right. for this round, she went straight into like, fuck it. I'm a witch. She's a witch. She's a witch. And you know what? That's a witch. That's a witch. That's a witch. They're also witches. She was not pulling punches. She was like, everyone's a witch. Everyone in this church. Um. But basically, she was just like, whatever you want to hear, yes, I fucked the devil, she fucked the devil, that is the devil, you know, they were good. (laughs) Um, So she ended up surviving, but she did not have a great year because of her willingness to tattle, or I hate to say tattle, but to like talk and just say say all that stuff, to validate whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So Tichiba did tell them that she saw Sarah Osborne and Sarah Good use magic to hurt the girls. She revealed that they had been helped by two other women and a man from Boston who Tichiba did not recognize. She was just like, fuck it. I don't know. Everyone everywhere is a witch. Uh, she told them that Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne had demons in the form of animal companions who helped them commit their crimes. Uh, she ended by confessing that they had bullied her into becoming a witch and hurting the girls. So she was like, they started it. I didn't want to. While Tichiba spoke, her accusers, so the four girls, stopped screaming and throwing fits and being nonsensical. So the magistrates believed that this was evidence that she was telling the truth because she wouldn't hurt them if she was telling the truth. So when she finished, the girls started screaming again and Tichiba uh, told the magistrates, the magistrates, sorry, I have a little accent going on. Magistrates. I was getting a little Boston. She went to the car in the room. Uh, but anyways, Tichiba told the magistrates that she could see the spirit of Sarah Good hurting them. Then Tichiba herself was struck blind and mute. So she was like, she's doing it. And she was like, oh no, I can't see her talk because I said something. Um, uh, then, let's see, Tichiba's accusers said they could see Sarah Good hurting her for confessing. So they were like playing mime, whatever she said, I said. And because everyone in the town was seeing what she was saying... Then whenever they brought in a new suspected witch, a whole bunch of townspeople would be like, yes, and I saw them doing this, that, and the other because they were just repeating what they had heard her say originally. And because multiple people were saying it, they were like, yes, it must be true. So Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, police today where they separate everyone and try and get your story. Um. But yeah, so no person who confessed to practicing witchcraft was executed during the trials, which included Tichiba. So if they confessed to it and said, yes, I'm a witch, and they are too, they weren't executed. On May 12th, Tichiba was sent to a prison in Boston to make room for all the new suspects who were being arrested in Salem Village. In total, 144 people were accused of practicing witchcraft, 54 confessed, and their testimony was used in the trials of other suspects. Uh, when she was needed to testify at trial, Tichiba was brought back to Salem. So she was shuttled from Boston to Salem over and over again because she was the one who was like, I'll say whatever you want, just don't hurt me anymore. Um, and that's why they kept her alive, partially. That's Lovely. a lot of why they kept her alive. Uh, she probably, um, according to this article, testified at the trials of a number of people who were convicted and executed for witchcraft. But it is difficult to know for sure because the official trial records were lost conveniently just kidding time uh 20 people were convicted of witchcraft and executed three died in prison before they could be tried because that's how awful the like situation was uh tichiba spent an entire year in jail because no one would pay her bail because she's a slave and no one wants to take in a witch who is playing with the devil uh, when she was, oh, I forgot to note that, um, like Sarah Osborne and Sarah Good were targeted because they were easy. They were like outsiders. I think one of them was in a, uh, property dispute with someone on the magistrate. So like they were kind of on the outs with this church. Um, that's why they got targeted. It was just a bunch of bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Um, so Tijuba spent a year in jail because no one would pay her bail. When she was brought on to trial on May 9th, 1693, the charges against her were immediately dismissed. 
Tichaba's useful usefulness as a witness had allowed her to outlive the early hysteria. So by the time she was brought to like her official trial, because she was no longer useful to them, I guess, um, people were like, yeah, this is kind of kind of turned into a mess. We should probably reel it back in. Um, once they started, you know, pointing at all the magistrate people and being like, you're a witch too. They were like, yeah, never mind. This wasn't a good idea. We should, we should take it back. Um, so they wrote the word ignoramus on the back of her charges, meaning that the court found no truth in the charges and recommended the case be dismissed, which is wild because if you're saying her stuff isn't true, then you have to say everyone she claimed isn't true too. Which is like everybody. Yeah. So... The fallacy that they just, it was a mess. Not a bright spot on history. Uh, Samuel Paris, the reverend, refused to pay the fees necessary for Tijiba and ended up selling her to another person. Um, And then that's where her, like, documented history ends. Um, No one knows what happened to her after that. Interesting. So, uh... There have been a few retellings of her story. The most notable one in the States, at least, is probably The Crucible, which is a book that we often have to read in school. It's probably outlawed now because America's fucking trash. Oh, dude. The ban is getting out fucking outrageous. Davis High School had the Bible ban for a few, for like a week. That's good. That's what I would do. That's the first thing that I said. I was like, "Who's gonna try and ban all this stuff? Then ban the Bible because that has all the shit in it." So, but the difference is, they legally they're not supposed to be like teaching from those books, anyways, right? There's a separation yeah. of church and state. But these books, they're allowed to teach, and they're just there's a lot of people who need to be homeschooled. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yes. Um. So after the crucible came out the author of the crucible is kind of the one who i think first made her black a black slave um and had associated her with voodoo which is often associated with being black um as we learn uh in the history of new orleans uh, because it finds its origins in africa mm-hmm. um But there is no evidence that she did voodoo of any kind. There's no evidence that she was black. Like I said, she's been noted to be an indigenous person. Yeah, so the idea that in the crucible she was black, they think stemmed from, um, in an article in the Smithsonian Magazine, they talked about it. Because I think when that book was published, it was like at the time when every time someone in America thought of a slave, they were automatically black. So they just were kind of like fitting it all together. Uh, the historica account, the, sorry, the historical accounts of Tichiba might be the reason they chose voodoo doll for Queenie's power, I think, because in all of those claims that she was making, these girls were getting hurt, but nobody was physically hurting them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of an inspiration for her power. Uh, because she can do stuff to herself, but and it happens to them, but no one can prove. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Um, I also suspect that the Black Widow power that Zoe has can find its roots in misogyny and patriarchy, um, with the idea that women are temptresses that can fell a man with their sex, um, or that witches have to have sex with the devil to like seal the pact, um, and that 
therefore their femininity is like deadly in some way um but yeah but fuck the patriarchy speaking (laughs) yeah for real speaking of zoe uh, back into the show, she's still really, um, really upset about Kyle and. Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. Can I say one more thing? Because it's. Can you go back? Um, yeah. So on this slide, the Smithsonian uh, magazine. Sorry, the Smithsonian magazine recommended this book, The Witches, by Stacy Sheaf. I think is what it's called, as like a really good historical retelling of. Um, factual things for the Salem Witch Trials. That's what I wanted to say. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so Zoe, back to her and her black widowness. She's pretty she's still upset about Kyle. She ends up st- cyber stalking him and and doing some serious research which is a little weird, but I could not get uh, a good view of his obituary article that they had. Mm-hmm. Um it was too fast and too far <laughs> to be able to actually read it. I tried. Um, <laughs> soon after, two police detectives actually end up coming and questioning Zoe and Madison about the uh, the bus crash, and and well, because obviously Madison is an actress and is famous, so anytime she goes out into a party, people are gonna be like, social media. Um, but while Madison c- calmly denies everything being involved with any of their deaths, Zoe fucking freaks out. <laughs> She's, you know, at least she can't lie at this point. <laughs> She, um, I guess is too good of a person and just, like, fell the fuck apart. I don't know. Yeah. So she panics and points out the similarity, like, o- like odds death of the of the frat boy. She kills. <clears throat> they obviously, I'm sorry, I'm going to start that over. I got really confused. Um, when Zoe panics, she ends up, like, spilling the beans of everything. And they kind of point out the similarity of... The, the, the deaths of the frat boys that were killed um, in the bus uh, the, the death of the frat boys uh, that were killed in the hospital after the crash that, that well the one boy I don't think she killed both of them right? it was just the one his name is Archie by the way I didn't know that but I oh. learned that today there you go but they uh, they put the, the similarity between that and uh, her boyfriend that died back when she was first given to the school so they I mentioned wish... that Archie. Oh, sorry. I just I wish that the frat boy she killed's name was Kyle, and that Kyle's name was Archie. Because Archie, in my head, I don't think frat boy, but Kyle, I'm like frat boy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could. I would. You know, frat boy. I would see like Archie in like Riverdale, like the TV show. I could see him as like a frat boy. He's yeah. He's like really athletic, but he doesn't act like the typical frat boy yeah, he's a jock he's not like a major yeah but like anyway. kyle is like a karen for yeah, frat Ky- boys. yeah you know what i'm saying yeah oh yeah he's a kyle i'm That's... sorry not sorry if your name is kyle <laughs> yeah i apologize Maybe i'm sure you're... there's good people out there named kyle there's gotta be <laughs> somewhere so... i haven't met one yet <laughs> i'm trying to think if i met a nice kyle i actually don't know if i've ever I met did, a kyle I did, know, I did know a really nice kyle actually he uh he recently died unfortunately but kyle brown he was a part he he joined the the radio from hell show from time to time he had als he was he was badass he was definitely uh he was a bicyclist and everything all the way up until his death like he he was cool he's a nice guy <laughs> okay well there's the one there's the no. 
Uh, so Zoe breaks down, like I said, tells him everything about the the sexual assault and and the the witches and Madison's power to flip the bus. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Fiona comes in and she's like, mm, "Bitch, shut the fuck up. Girls, leave. I got this." <laughs> yeah, she ends up enchanting the police and and uses a power her power of mind control, which is is it concealium? Con- I think con- so. I think that's what it's called. Uh, she does end up nearly kill, almost killing a detective who tries to resist her control and then tells them to never investigate the, the bus accident again. So there's that. Bye I wonder bye. what Cordelia was going to do to handle that situation. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering at what point Cordelia was going to step in with her mad, like any magic and be like, this is clearly not working. Or if she was just going to try to play off the whole, she's crazy. But um, thank God that Fiona was there because that was not going well. Right. My other question was, I know when they got on the bus, the dude was like, delete your videos. But then they got flipped. So did they not find a phone that had any videos of Madison on it? I mean, you would think that they would. Maybe they hadn't gotten that far yet. I don't know. I don't know. Police work, man. You would think. You would think. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, so, so how many different powers is that that we've seen so far? That's so. So for Fiona, we've seen three of her powers, right? right? She makes yeah. herself young. She telekinesis and yeah. this mind control one. Yeah, I don't think we've seen her start anything on fire, right? No, not yet. Okay, cool. Um, but before she. During her mind control thing, she spits in a glass of water and makes them drink it. And I was wondering if that was like a witchy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't find anywhere where spitting specifically in a glass of water and having someone drink it means anything. Uh, but I did find some interesting things that where it was like, there, there are historical retellings of times where a witch would spit on like the ground or a stone or something as a form of protection. Spitting is usually associated with keeping away like evil spirits or the devil. I think of cleansing. I think of Pirates of the Caribbean with the black spot. I think of uh, take themselves off. They spin three times and they spit. I think of <laughs> my big fat Greek wedding where they're just spitting on each other the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that that one too. Um, but we yeah, watched that's... that right before my wedding. It was awesome. <laughs> so there's lots of like that, but nothing for that specifically but i did find a reddit stream that was uh one one of the persons postulated that she was spitting in the water um to prove that she had them under her control um and somebody else thought that maybe it just kind of like strengthened her control over them because she already had the mind control that's why they were drinking right it didn't create the mind control but it might have strengthened it because they had like a piece of her in them or something like that maybe um yeah that's all i got for the spitting fair uh so later on madison and zoe end up breaking into the morgue and madison wants to pay zoe back for killing the the lead rapist by piecing together kyle which is really unfortunate um Sorry, I've gotten distracted by that gift. 
um, yeah. So to be clear, it isn't because she feels bad about murdering a bus full of men. Um, it's simply because she's like, I don't want to have to owe you anything because right. you did this for me. Yeah. So she plans this whole bell to be used that she stole from Cordelia, which would bring Kyle back to life. Um, when they find all the frat brothers, uh, they're dismembered in the morgue, so she plans to build the perfect boyfriend using all the best parts from each boys, hence the name body or boy parts. Uh, they end up stitching stitching up the perfect boyfriend, quote-unquote, with Kyle's head and performed the ritual. Uh, sadly, Kyle's body just remained lifeless and nothing happened, and then Zoe kisses Kyle goodbye, apologizing making him involved with witches hides uh, and and then hides when a man enters and they cuz cuz Madison's a bitch and ran away <laughs> I kind of find it annoying that Zoe is apologizing when really it's not should, her fault she should be apologizing that he ended up with frat douchebags so yeah yeah it was their fault um so the the theories, there's a couple of theories for this as well. Um, I'll talk about mm. the spells a little bit later. I did find where someone like translated them and everything. Um, we have a Patreon now. We have a few different tiers with fun offerings starting at $3. All tiers get access to the exclusive content, which includes our American Horror Story Coven series, horror shorts and trailer reactions, ad-free episodes and all the video recorded episodes starting with Hocus Pocus because we were late to the video recording game. The top tier offers a discount to our merchandise found on Etsy at the store open past midnight, a free horror cat switch hats mug, and priority invitation to any watch parties or one shots we plan in the future. It promises to be a wicked good time with content coming out weekly. Uh, again, it's www.patreon.com slash horror cats witch hats 13. But some theories for this is is that, one, it didn't work the first time, but Zoe's kiss, um, she inadvertently triggered, like, the... the True love's first kiss. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, vitam vitalis or whatever's power, which yeah. is the necromancy part. Um, mm -hmm. Because if it's when she's kissing her that it shows Misty Day being like, there's other people. Because Misty is in that kind of, like, death world all the time. She's got, like, one foot in that world. And so when yeah. somebody else hits it, she's like, I sense them. So that might have been what happened. Uh, that's the only reason why I think that might have been what happened. Um, the other theory is that it did work the first time. It's just because he's all, like, pieced together. It took a while for the right stuff to, everything to connect <laughs> yeah for everything to connect and then it just and then he woke up um i kind of like the that she just accidentally triggered it uh and misty drew love's first kiss sensed it yeah it's, it's cute yeah. so uh luckily before the guy that entered and caught her uh gets zoe he's attacked and killed by frankenstein kyle but imagine like going into work and you're like, oh, it's just dead bodies, but then there's a hacksaw, and they're just all pieces all over the place. Yeah, dude. And, and having and all of it, having to explain as the morgue mortician, being like, I don't know where this guy's arm is, but uh. yeah. Um, 
obviously Kyle is not totally okay. He's seizing uncontrollably. He's mute. And while Zoe ends up driving the getaway car, which is a homeboy's car that was killed, Misty ends up sitting up in the back seat from out of nowhere and offers to help them. Because that's not creepy which, at all. Yeah, exactly. They, uh, they end up driving to Misty's cabin in the middle of the bayou where she uses uh, a, I think she called it a poultice, right? Um, to fix Kyle's scars. Yeah, the same poultice she used is the cure herself, is the cure that she used for herself after she resurrected herself from being burned alive. Um, and then she offers to take care of Kyle. Did you hear that at all? No? Mm-mm. Okay. I, sorry, something went off on my computer and I didn't know. Uh, but she does offer to take care of Kyle until he's fully healed. So, you know, good on her. She's lonely. It's kind of sad. I know. And I let uh, Zoe's just like, yeah, okay, you seem trustworthy. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, here you go. Live in the bayou all by yourself. She's like the, she could have been like the lady from uh, The Princess and the Frog. The old voodoo witch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt, what was it? Mama... Mama Odie. Mama Odie. Yeah, Mama Odie. There we go. I knew I'd get there. Oh, what's the song? Da, 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 da. Something about what you need. <laughs> Nail it. That's it. Hire me, Disney. Um, so a poultice, as you can see, is a soft, moist, massive material, typically consisting of bran, flour, and random herbs. Applied to the body to relieve soreness and inflammation, and it is kept in place with a cloth. It's very old school, but I think as people kind of are turning away from modern medicine now, it's becoming, it's seeing a revival, I think, in home remedies. Yeah. Um, you could argue that the, like, pe- the thing that people do when they have um, stingers or splinters where they put a baking soda, like a baking soda oh. thing on it. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a poultice because you're like drawing yeah. out the stuff. Yeah. So I found an article in the Irish Times. Um, Hell yeah. Their household edition said that a column in 1885 recommended that a pound or so of coarsely crushed linseed should always be kept in the house in the airtight tin, also a tin of mustard and chamomile flowers and poppy heads for poultices and f- fermentations. So it was really common back in the day. Um, it was believed to draw out inflammation and infection. They were prepared for a range of complaints, including boils, toothaches, bunions, abscesses, splinters, chilled blains, and styes. Even the treatment of serious illnesses, such as tuberculosis and cholera, often involves some form of poultice being administered to the patient by a doctor or a nurse. Like, these were medical professionals using these. Um, that's, yeah. like, how validated they were back then. Uh, but, Yeah. You can still find these are pictures like modern day pictures. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can. I, I mean, at least I could tell. But the the gloves and the the blue surgical fucking laydown of cleanliness. I can't think of the word cloth. <laughs> <laughs> the sterile cloth. Yeah. That. Um, oh, it's been a day, you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you can find remedies like this online all over the place. But yeah, I'm not recommending them. I've never done one. Yeah. I mean, I've done it for bee stings. <laughs> that's that's the one I've done. I don't think I've ever actually been stung by a bee. Knock on wood. 
I stepped on a bee at Christie's house when we were playing with her backyard sprinkler once, and she carried me inside. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, you know, back when we had that perfect, like, trio best friendship going on. Uh, and then I got stung on the hand, like, five minutes before a fucking soccer game. <laughs> well, the boys used to, um, catch bees in Christie's backyard and freeze them, remember? And then they would tie string to oh, them. Oh, yeah. And then let them be thawed, because they don't that. die when they're in the freezer. They just, like, their heartbeats slow down. Um, yeah. I don't remember condoning it in case people are coming at me but um oh yeah i didn't like it i also didn't want to touch the bee because i was worried about the stinger at all times i just i just felt bad but yeah they had a lot of bees but mom was a gardener they had a yeah yeah anyways back to the show Meanwhile, all of this is happening with uh, Zoe and Madison. Cordelia and her husband, Hank, visit the fertility doctor who suggests IVF for her. This is where the other kind of boy parts come in. Yeah, exactly. Because um, they want to conceive a child and are not having good luck with that. I think in the last episode, I had assumed that Cordelia didn't have kids because she had chosen not to based off her comment um, and the fact that she hates being a witch. Uh but it looks like she does want to have a kid, maybe. So, my yeah. bad, I was wrong. Uh, Hank ends up wanting her to use her powers to help them by creating um, life with, like, the powers is considered dark magic. So, Cordelia is all not wanting to do that uh, for self-serving reasons like her mother does. She doesn't want to be like her mom, which is fair. Um I feel like if this is if you've tried everything, like at least this, that would be a time to be a little selfish, but it is dark magic at the same time. So I mean, it's if it's considered dark magic, you have to wonder why. Is it because you are creating a soul or right. are you pulling a soul? Like where are you creating it from? Right? Even in magic, yeah. you don't create something out of nothing. It comes from somewhere. So if you're exactly making yourself more for like it depends, I guess, on what the spell is doing. Um, but, you know, what's it, the so, dragon mother, oh. she used magic, that wasn't a baby. Oh, yeah, no, for real. Uh, so she ends up brewing a potion and performs a sex switch ritual with Hank using dark magic anyways, and, uh, it looks very interesting, the way that it's filmed and done. Uh, by the way, you do... It, it it does get sexual. You don't. It's, you know, it's an adult content stuff. TV show. It's, I think it warns you. It should warn you. Um. It's but there's. It's really interesting. It's weird because it shows like tons of snakes and the circle they're in, like lights on fire. But then when it shows them being done, the little eggs are unhatched, and mm -hmm. there doesn't. There's no traces of a fire. Um, so I wonder if that means it just didn't work. I, it, I don't know if it just means that, like, the ritual... Because her eyes go dark and everything. Like, you see the ritual happening. Um, right. So I'm wondering if it just means okay. that her witchy self saw that, but, like, maybe he didn't in the real world. I don't know. I fucking don't know. It's weird. That's why I'm like, yeah. it's weird. Um, but this is what I'm going to talk about the spells really fast okay i don't want to accept your cookies hold on calling them cookies was so manipulative like yeah i want fucking cookies what do i not want cookies <laughs> i want all the cookies 
Um, so on the American Horror Story wiki page, a user in October 21st of 2013, wow, right after the show came out, um, dissects the spells. So uh, they post um, saying, so the resurrection spell that Zoe and Madison did um, is actually cited from a genuine magic book called The Book of Ceremonial Magic by Arthur Edward Wright. It's from chapter nine concerning infernal spirits. The first verse is a com- is to compel the spirits into obedience. Uh, I'm going to say this with a big old question mark, and I'm going to mispronounce everything. So she says, Kolpriziana Ofina Alta, go skiing, Nestera <laughs> Fuaro Menuet. <laughs> After, um, oh, so then she, after the uh, give me power and I'll be your sexy mama part, that's what this person wrote. Um, oh, just kidding. That's for the sex part. <laughs> they jumped around. <laughs> they didn't like fix it. Um, but yeah, so that's what she says. And that's what it's doing, I guess. So they're like telling the spirit kind of like in a hereditary, um, like obey me, come forth kind of a thing. So they're pulling the yeah. spirit out. Um, and then they do the sex ritual Uh, so they say um, and this is also a ritual from that book by Arthur Edward Wright uh, which I'm going to look up now and see if all the spells in this are used from pulled from that book but um also it might be used to command like spirits or entities or something Um, interesting they say barreled Barold, spelled with an extra O, Balbin, Gab, Gabor, Agaba. It sounds like they're just like listing, they're trying to guess someone's name. They're like, uh, B, B, Barold, Barold, Balbin, no G, Gab. You know, they're just like doing that. <laughs> uh, so it says, this book is online on sacred tests texts.com on the grimoire section so like i said i'm gonna find it um so the fertility spell which is actually an exorcism it's not a fertility spell and i think the person um yeah so anyways uh i'm not gonna read what they put because it's a lot like what they actually say but they did write the translation which is now i command and charge you oh evil spirit hate that when you're trying to create a baby that you immediately depart from the circle, and if you refuse, I will damn you both in body and soul, and abstain from harming any creature or thing, and depart immediately to the place which God's justice has appointed for you. Did anybody show Dean and Sam this book? They could have used it. Yeah, for real. It would have been a lot of help. Uh, depart from my sight and flee from here. Um, and it says, this one is the Jesuits' discharge for banishing evil spirits, and it comes from the Varus... Jesuitarum Libellus, which is in esotericarchives.com. Uh, Crec Credo, they put something, something, dot, 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 haven't found it yet, dot, 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 oh well. <laughs> we'll get more They're later. And then a old school f- emoji. Um, and then they put warning, unless you are a character of the series or a real witch, please refrain from using this. You will either call ghouls or maybe your neighbors will point at you and gasp. And it also nice. says, fun fact, this um, exorcism 
one that she used for the fertility spell, is also in an episode of True Blood. Hmm. I haven't watched that. It's one of those ones where it starts out good, <laughs> but then they like try to build more and more on the evil, and it gets out of out of control. I watched it slightly behind Jaden as she was watching it, but like I never actually got into it. So. Anywho. Um, hold on. There was a comment on here that I wanted to show or share. I cannot stop yawning right now. I apologize. It is so terrible. Um, it says it's also the same one used for the spell Fiona used against the Delphi Trust. I don't know who that is, so I'm not going to talk about it, I guess. In ceremonial magics, the ritual is always preceded and followed by banishment so that only the spirits and powers you call are present for the spell. Oh, so she's explaining. So that part of the spell, um, she is kicking out any evil that might be in the area before she invites whatever she's putting into the fertility part. Mm. Um, and then they might be expelling it again. I think that's what this person is saying, is that that's okay. just like common practice. That makes sense, actually. Boom. Um, See? Just figuring it out. But they do say, and remember, there was no actual chant for fertility, just the sex magic ritual. Her chant was the step before the ritual, which was what I think she was doing with the herbs and everything. Um, my guess right. is that they just didn't want her to actually use an incantation because it would take away from the action. Okay. So they were like, she did all the banishment stuff you got to see. Um, the fertility stuff might have just been like in her head and tantric kind of, um, which Maybe, might be yeah. the whole snake thing is that's like her magic kicking off in her head. Uh, uh, they said snakes are symbols of wisdom, fertility and change candles, of course are in everything that they put to show flame and heat of passion. There was lots of yeah. red in there, which we learned from the Hocus Pocus episode is passion and all that jazz. Um, and mm -hmm. eggs represent new beginnings and fertility. Okay. That so, actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's the spells. So again, we got something cool where they were trying to like really pay attention to what they were doing and doing it right. Yeah. I like I like those I like that attention to detail. It's nice. I also appreciate that somebody else did the work and found all of it for me. So. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's really helpful too. So uh, Fiona ends up trying. She tries again with Delphine, who is severely shocked that 180 years have passed. She's uh, she's watching TV at one point and she sees Obama giving a speech, and she's just horrified. And Fiona's like, yeah, I voted for him twice. I and would, I, ugh. yeah, I would love to see someone from the 1800s watch TV. Like in the TV show Ghosts, it's so yeah. funny. It cracks me up. Mm -hmm. I love that show, by the way. Uh, but she recalls that the fake love potion was actually, or the, the faux love potion, I should put it, as they put it, is actually a vial of immortality. And upon waking up after passing out, uh, she found Marie Laveau outside her home with a mob of black slaves. Which I'm sure uh, to her was like the apocalypse. Yeah. They uh, ended up hanging her family from their balcony. And uh, Laveau is then order or orders the slaves to lock Delphine in a coffin and bury her. Which she stays buried for that almost 180 years. So I know <laughs> that her family isn't entirely innocent. 
Right. But it it hurts me that they murdered the little like the younger girls too. Yeah. None of them are innocent and I get it and she's she's hurt and she's trying to hurt Delphine but um it was yeah. I can't help but think maybe there was some less violent things they could have done. She's also getting back for her lover and all this stuff so I mean not that that's justifiable but anyway Fiona visits the hair salon where the young and still youthful Marie is uh, a, a, appears to serve her and is there. And both women know each other from their titles. Clearly, um, there's there's a lot of uh, hate between the two sides. I guess there's a lot of it's racial, yeah, trauma and historical stuff. But. They end up debating on the origin of their powers where Marie Laveau is saying that it originated from Africa from an African priestess who became a slave while Fiona says that the slaves were too dumb to be witches, which is not fucking cool at all. Fiona is just as racist as Delphine, even though she is like most modern people. She's like, I'm not racist. I voted for Obama, (laughs) but she's straight racist. Um, She also... one could argue that she was just trying to like rile up Laveau, but I think she's genuinely racist. Those were her real feelings. Because if she was trying to butter her up to get her spell, that wouldn't be the way to do it, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> Last time I checked, if you want something from somebody, you're normally nicer to them, not uh, not attacking them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fiona just like refused to accept Laveau's story that Tichibo was the one who taught the witches of Salem therefore creating her whole line of witchcraft that Fiona stems from because she was mm-hmm. like no that wasn't a black lady she's right she was an indigenous person but in this story I think they went with the Tichibo's black thing um, that, that version of the story uh, but she did say that Marie Laveau said that Tichiba learned magic from shaman um, mm-hmm. which is a cool hit origin story for this, but like I said, they don't. No one actually knows Tichiba's history, right? Um, but yeah, Fiona was like, "Fuck no." <laughs> uh, she Fiona and then ends up subtly threatening to expose Marie and says that she wants the immortality like Marie and Delphine. But obviously, Marie laughs in her face, calls her bodyguards, and in response, Fiona conjures the distracting fire in the shop uh, on the wigs and then leaves. So there's fire for there's Fiona. Four. That's four. Um, I know that Fiona wants to live forever and she's, like, afraid of dying, but she's, like, already old. Um, so I'm like, that's, <laughs> th- that's not the version of myself I would want to be stuck with forever, right? Right. Because, like... Delphine and Marie are still like super young and agile in appearance and body. But yeah. Not that there's but, anything wrong with being old, but that's but we uh so we get a lot more from Marie Laveau this uh this episode and um she's quite quite a person. I uh, I love learning about these kinds of things, but she was really cool to learn about. So I thought it would be a good place to put in the history of Marie Laveau because her magic and her storyline is becoming like a big part of the thread. So right. 
Um, the real Marie Laveau was born in the French Quarter of New Orleans in September of 1794, they think. Um, again, it was a long time ago. Records are questionable. And it was here that she would become known as the Voodoo Queen, which is what she is most famous for. The illegitimate daughter of, I'm sorry, she was the illegitimate daughter of a wealthy Creole plantation owner, Charles Laveau, and um, her mother was Marguerite, who uh, her mother, so Marie's grandmother, had paid, like, worked really hard to free themselves and her family um, from slavery and indentured servitude. So they were free. But as we know from history, it still wasn't accepted for, you know, white wealthy people to canoodle with black anything. So, um, so she was kind of like on the outs. <laughs> uh, Marie grew up in her father's plantation where she was educated and studied to be a hairdresser, supposedly. So I read in some places, it's wildly accepted that she was a hairdresser in her later life. Um, but I also read in some places where that wasn't necessarily true, and here's where that came from. Um, so she was raised a devout Catholic, and she would spend um, her time in Catholic Mass every day of her life, which sounds wild because she's the voodoo queen, right? But um, here it is. So her husband was Jacques Perry. Um, he was part of a large Haitian immigration to New Orleans in 1809. Um, and I think it's through maybe him and his contacts, kind of, because hoodoo comes from, find its roots in, like, Haitian uh, origin, and voodoo comes from African or- origin. That's kind of the difference between them. Voodoo is an accepted, legitimate religion. Um, right. Hoodoo is not considered, like, a full-blown religion, I think. I think. But, yeah, that's the main difference, is one of them is from Haitian, one of them is African and then they have, you know, little nuancey things. Um, if you go to New Orleans, there's a voodoo museum. It's it's small, but it's super cool to go through. It talks about all of it. It shows all the priestesses and the priests and the differences. And they have uh, portraits of everybody and different things that they used in their practice. It's really cool. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paris went missing in 1824. No one knows what happened. Marie says he was obviously dead, making her a widower. Um, some historians believe that he had just kind of deserted her because he didn't want to be married anymore or something like that. Um, but no one really knows what happened and there's no records. Uh, she did oh, call boy. herself a widow and refer to herself as a widow. Um but she had two children with him, so she had to come up with a way to take care of herself and her children. And her, the women in her family taught her to take care of herself, get yourself a house, be independent. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T, you know what that means. So, I love that. Thank uh, you for that. <laughs> that is when that she... That going to be stuck in my head all day now. It's so catchy. It's got to bounce. I-N-D-E-P. Anyways. Um, yep. It's like the it's like the B E A beautiful. Like now I always know how to spell independent. Oh yeah, or Fergalicious. I need one that spells exercise because I cannot spell that word. <laughs> Save my life. Yeah, that you know that's fair. 
could see you trying. <laughs> Everyone take -E a minute and spell -E. See, Right? Now I got to type it out. Hang on. I don't know. I'm going to keep reading. Um, um, so after... Yeah. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's why I need a song. Um, so after his death, Marie Laveau began working. This is where the history kind of gets questionable as a hairdresser catering to the wealthy white and Creole women of New Orleans. Um, so some people think that she was using the hairdresser as a cover because people didn't want to be known to go to a voodoo priestess, right? Especially affluent white women. Um, good cover, good cover. So they were like, oh, I'm just getting my hair done. But really they were seeking her services for mm -hmm. like magical services. Yeah. Um, then the other side is she may have actually been a hairdresser like in the show. Um, but she was still using her hairdresser services to get people to dish about their lives, to offer her services and stuff like that. But one of them, it's a complete cover. The other one, it's also a job. So could have gone either way. It's not really that important, I guess. Um, but many of these women looked upon Marie as a confidant, confessing to her their most intimate secrets and desires about their husbands and lovers, their estates and families, their husbands, mistresses, and business affairs. Uh, so she ended up learning her craft from a voodoo doctor known variously as Dr. John or John Bayou. And by 1830, she was one of several voodoo queens in the area. Um, she was famous for combining voodoo beliefs with Catholic traditions like holy water, incense, saints, and Christian prayers. And part of one, she was very Catholic so that she was combining her beliefs. But two, it right. made her strictly Catholic white clientele feel more comfortable with what she was doing because um, yeah. it was stuff that was familiar to them. Right? If you came running at a white affluent woman with a snake saying all these crazy things she wouldn't take it very well but if you show her like a statue of a saint she'll be like oh yes come into my home um oh boy <laughs> yeah so her beliefs included the recognition of spiritual forces which can be kind of mischievous um, that preside over daily life and intercede in the lives of their followers uh, which is kind of the idea of voodoo. Um, like in The Princess and the Frog, the like little spirit things that he yeah. controls. That movie is scary. As a kid, I... Would, I love that movie. I It's a fantastic movie, but it's creepy for kids. <laughs> yes. Um, great, great music. God, great soundtrack. Agreed. Sorry. <laughs> agreed. Everything about it's great. There's not a single thing mm -hmm. I would bash about it. No. Um, but connection with these spirits can be achieved through dance, music, singing, and the use of snakes. So that's what they do. Um, when I, I did a ghost tour when I was in New Orleans over the summer, and they said that um, she would be like in her hairdresser chair, whatever they were doing, and the ladies would be like, yeah, my husband is stepping out with his mistress, much like Marie Delphine, or sorry, not Marie, um, like Delphine, right? Mm -hmm. Um and so she would be like, hey, give him this. It will ruin that relationship, right? Um, so she would do that. She'd get money from the wife. And then the husband would be like, hey, for some reason, my relationship is falling apart. Um, 
what can I do? So then she'd be like, oh, here, do this. That will help fix your relationship, right? So she was getting money from both sides. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually what happened. Obviously, it was like a ghost tour. Um, But I I mean, it makes sense. She was, along with being a voodoo queen, very well known for being a businesswoman. Um, She was Mm -hmm. very business oriented. I think she helped either fund, start, or work at uh, one of the... uh, schools for young women that they had opened there um, in New Orleans Um, she was very adamant about educating women making sure they were independent all that jazz she was a phenomenal person I am actually going to try and find a Mm -hmm. biography because she's interesting but anyways um, so Marie Laveau quickly came to dominance as the voodoo queen of New Orleans taking charge of the public rituals that they did she would do ceremonies in her home, uh, a place called Congo Square, and uh, some place called Maison Blanche, which is white, like the White House, which was built for mm-hmm. specifically for voodoo meetings and liaisons between white men and black women, where they could do things in kind of a safer space. Um, Interesting. And let's see, Laveau made a good income by selling grease grease, which is. A voodoo practice. It's an amulet originating in Africa, which is believed to protect the wearer from evil or bring luck. Um, she made charms, magical powders, guaranteed to cure ailments, granting desires, confounding or destroying one's enemies. She did a whole thing. She would do readings out of her home, stuff like that. Um, she is believed to... Sorry, um, so some scholars believe that Laveau's feared magical powers of divination were actually based on her. So she would like have people do, she would do readings for people um, and they would be like, how do you know everything? You're a witch. But they think that maybe she had just kind of built some little birdies um, that would go into these homes and bring back all the gossip and the stories to her so she knew what was happening. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, so as she visited clients, she would also listen to what was going on in the home. She's not blind. She could probably pick everything up going on around her. But yeah, she was really good at like getting information and then using it. Uh, in about 1875, Marie Laveau gave, like kind of stepped back as the voodoo queen. And she would still do ratings in her home until she died in 1881. Um, she... Also, like between 75 and 81, she would go and visit the poor. She would work with um, people who were imprisoned uh, and do stuff for them. She was described as being like a genuinely kind and helpful person. Seems like it. She is buried in the St. Louis Cemetery Number no. 1 in the Laveau Glapion. See, they even named a section after her family crypt. The burials are in above ground vaults as is the practice in new orleans um, they were constructed in the 18th and 19th century of all the elaborate gravestones to be found in new orleans this grave attracts the most visitors each year um, this is why they closed off that cemetery and you can only go in right. on a tour now um, at first i so I know that the Catholic Church did not want to be associated with her because she was practicing voodoo, which is like to them witchcraft. So I think she was not allowed to be buried there at first. Um, don't quote me on that, but there was like something weird about it. Um, 
So there, some people argue that that might not actually even be her real gravestone, um, hmm. and that she was later pushed on postumulus post that word, um, <laughs> uh, given a space there, uh, but she's not actually buried there because she wasn't allowed to be. That's the story. Right. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, people do go to that site as her grave site, though. Um, so there is another crypt in cemetery number two that is known as the wishing vault or the voodoo vault where visitors this is illegal draw three x's on the slab in the hopes that laveau's spirit will grant them a wish it is also typically decorated with hearts pentagrams poetry and initials people tagging stuff um well there's no real evidence like i said that that's her tomb hundreds of visitors each year make the pilgrimage to go visit her when they can. Um, and according to tradition and word of mouth, Marie's spirit would personally intervene to anyone leaving an offering of coins, Mardi Gras beads, flowers, rum, or candles. Another theory states that you must draw the X, place your hand over it, rub your foot three times. Rubbing my foot. Against the bottom. Against the bottom. Did you make sure you rubbed it against the bottom? I My thumb on the bottom, does that count? Oh. I guess, yeah. Okay. Um, throw some silver coins into the cup and make your wish. A third source claims to receive a wish. You need to leave offerings of food, money, and flowers. Then ask for Marie's help after turning around three times and marking a cross with red brick on the stone. Getting real complicated. Okay. Hmm. Um, her daughter, she had 15 children. Jesus Christ. A lot of them died of yellow fever i think was the thing happening at the time that would make sense yeah um i'm sure they were just like walking out by the end of it but um let's see her daughter marie the second was born in 1827 marie lived in an old adobe cottage at 152 Rue street saint anne it was um burned down or something at some point uh, and mm -hmm. built over. It is now at 1020 St. Anne Street. Legend has it that she received the home for helping an affluent man free his son from murder charges. Um, it has been told that Marie held three peppers in her mouth while infusing them with her intentions. She then hid the peppers under the seat of the presiding judge and then nailed a cow's tongue under the seat of the prosecutor, which apparently impaired his speech and left him unable to adequately present his case. The son was then found innocent, and Marie received her new home as a thank you. Again, don't know if hey. that's true or not, but makes for a neat story, I guess. Yeah. Um, sorry, the house was torn down in 1903. That's what it was. Um, after touring the French Quarter for a while, oh, sorry. So there's ghost stories associated with this uh, building they built on top of her old home. Um, it is now, or it used to be an Airbnb or like a rental property. So mm -hmm. a couple was staying there. They toured the French Quarter. They came back. Uh, during the night, they heard sounds of chanting and drumming. Um, and they couldn't find the origin of it. So they figured out that it was coming from the living room. And the next day, I'm sorry, they left that night, came back the next day to get their shit. And they found a feather in the living room. 
and then they left the house and never went back. Uh, but a single pristine feather was Marie Laveau's signature object and is considered to be a great relic among voodoo practitioners. Feathers are believed to bring the one who discovered it great luck, so hopefully they kept the feather. Um, on the other hand, if you find a, a feather, a pristine feather, under your pillow, it will bring you grave sickness or death. So don't do that. Delightful. Yeah. According to legend, the ritual involves the placing of chicken's head into the victim's pillow, and as time goes by, the hex takes hold, producing a single feather on top of said pillow and an awful stench, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Pillows, I'd be like, what is this lumpy thing? Yeah, for real. In 1974, a live recording titled Marie Laveau was sung by country singer Bobby Bear and written by Shel Silverstein and Baxter Taylor. Um, it was in the top spot of the U.S. Billboard Hot Country Singles. All right. It's about... Basically, the moral of the song is if you see a, this is what I read, was it described as, is if you come across a witch in a bog or something like that, leave them alone. A swamp witch. If you come across a yeah. swamp witch, go the other way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You learned that in Baldur's Gate, too. Well, you can kill her, but she's a hag. It's crazy. Hags, Baldur's Gate hags are scary in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. um, but also, that wasn't Marie Laveau's life, right? She was a good person. But whatever. Right. As long as you weren't, I guess, on the opposite end of her client. Um, right. Uh, so our actor feature for this week is Angela Bassett, who plays Marie Laveau in the Coven She's season. She's a fucking badass. I love Angela Bassett. Uh, 100% true. Um, she was Wakanda's queen mother in the Black Panther. Mm -hmm. She's obviously done a lot with her career. Um, but... The things I'm going to mention. Um, she was in a movie called mm -hmm. White Bird in a Blizzard, which is really dark movie and has a great twist in it. If you want to see it, it used to be on Netflix. Um, yeah. Vampire in Brooklyn, opposite Eddie Murphy, and What's Love Got to Do with It, which she played Tina Turner and got an Oscar nomination for. She has 58 wins and more than 100 nominations for her work, um, including two Oscar nominations. Like I said, badass. I, I love her. So true. So, back to the episode. We're about we're about done. This is the very ending of the episode. That was the last research side note. So back at the boarding school, Nan is annoyed by Delphine's loud thoughts and sets her uh, sets her free so she can leave and, pe and, and just be in peace and quiet because she's the mind reader. Uh, Queenie ends up running into Delphine who immediately returns to her racist roots and insults her. Then... Uh, then we learned earlier in the episode, oh, as we learned earlier in the episode, Queenie does not take disrespect lightly and retaliates, which further fuels the racist fires between Delphine, uh, who ends up knocking Queenie unconscious with a candlestick to the head. It was I Delphine like with a candlestick in the hallway. Exactly. I was like, she is in the 1800s and she grabbed the one thing she recognized, which was a candlestick. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Later on, Fiona ends up finding Delphine outside the old uh, her old home, which has been turned into a, a macabre uh, museum, and she's all bummed about it. She says she doesn't care what others think. And is uh, is mourning over the deaths of her and wishes to die. Um, she she wishes she wishes herself to die, not the daughters, obviously herself. Say that one more time, cause your internet cut out in that sentence. Oh shit. 
Okay. I'm leaving can it in. Me? I'm not making any cuts for these episodes. <laughs> so can you hear staying. me now? Are yeah, we you're, good? You're good now. Okay. I'm just going to restart that whole thing. Do it. Uh, so when Delphine leaves, she goes to her old house, and that's where Fiona finds her. And she is all sad because her house has been turned into a macabre museum. She says she doesn't care what others think of her and is still mourning the deaths uh, the deaths of her daughters, who she loved, who, wow, who she loved very much. <laughs> and she wishes that she could die um, to kind of be with them. But, you know, sucks to suck when you're immortal. <laughs> uh, Fiona ends up sympathizing with her, feeling the same way about Cordelia and, and warns Delphine to never try and run again or she'll be reburied. She uses that threat a lot. Fiona's not fucking around. No. Uh, the night after her staff leaves for the salon... Oh, sorry. That night, um, Marie Laveau's staff leaves for leaves the salon. Go to her voodoo room where she's the minotaur that Delphine is back, uh, unchaining him and telling him that they have business to attend to. So, so clearly she turned her lover uh, immortal as well. I know that it gets into it more later, but I just want to mention how fucked up it is that she turned the Minotaur guy into a immortal too. Like he of all people deserved to just have no, a peaceful that's death. So sad. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. The man alone. Poor guy. Um. Yeah. But yeah, that's where the uh, that's where the episode ends. Uh. We will put episodes out for this probably every other week. And in between, you'll get trailers and what's the other one? Horror shorts, stuff like that. So stay tuned. Reaction. It's, yeah, be great. And on that note, meow.